Hello and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond. I'm Monika Pinkett. And I'm Andrea. And welcome to episode nine. Guys, episode nine, titled Into the Forest I Go, is a whirlwind of information that is amazing, but also awful. There's so much that happens in this episode to where almost if you blink, you miss it in a good way and in a bad way. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it because guys, I need to know what you think. And Monica, I need to know what you think. <laughs> so you'll hear it. <laughs> so just for a description of this episode, um, bypassing Starfleet's order, Lorca uses the USS Discovery's crew's ultimate, ultimate asset, the ship itself, in order to end an effort to end the war with the Klingons once and for all. And you know, with Lorca, things are never as they seem. He's a master manipulator. And we saw that a lot in this episode. So first thoughts of the opening scene. Um, you have the Admiral, who's the new Admiral, because at this point, we don't know if Cornwell is alive or not. Um, he is telling Lorca to come back to Starbase 46 immediately because the Klingons are basically getting the upper hand. And the fact that they're coming to Pavo Pavos to destroy the transmitter that they were using in the last episode to basically try and use it to get the little sneak attack under the Klingon um, the Klingon cloaking device or cloaking system. Um, now Starfleet is like, uh -uh, pack it up, we gotta go because we're gonna lose. And Lorca, he does not listen. So what did you think of that opening scene of that opening conversation, how they showed both sides of the conversation? You saw Lorca in person and then the hologram of the Admiral, and then it flipped where you saw the Admiral in person and the hologram of Lorca or the hollow call, however they called each other. What did you think? Oh, I, I thought that was cool. It was also nice to see that even, I shouldn't say nice, but it was interesting how this was kind of bringing it back around again because they had an exchange just a few episodes ago and everything seems to go back to Admiral Terrell um, with this exchange with Lorca about following direction, keeping discovery safe mm -hmm. um, and safe and sound because it's um, a precious new uh, technology that's available and Lorca listening, but still has his own plan in store. I don't know. Yeah. They still, they can just continue to have faith in him <laughs> and trust him. As a I, I, it's such, um, you would think they would have learned by now that Lorca doesn't play by the rules. And every time someone has tried to reprimand him or to bring him in line, he does his own thing. Like literally every single time. Right. <laughs> Um, so I, it's very interesting that the Admiral just would think that he was complying because if he was truly complying, he would have just took the spore drive back, but instead he right. decides to warp. And the reason he decides to warp is because he knows that he knows they need to come up with a plan to stop the Klingons. Um, and because Saru comes up with a small technology to sort of help detect the Klingon ship. Um, and that was interesting because I don't remember them mentioning that in the other episodes, or am I just like missing that? Do you remember Saru ever mentioning um, having the capability to detect the minute traces of the Klingon? No, I, no, I think this was 
this is a new idea that they came about and probably because Saru really wants to protect Pavo. Mm -hmm. um, and because that's his like favorite place of harmony and peace. Yeah. Uh, so he's just, he's coming up with lots of other ideas. He's showing a lot more leadership now because um, it has a special place in his heart. I just think that with the Admiral, it's it's starting to wear like in the storyline that it's not logical that they'll continue to trust Lorca in this way, which seems to be against what you would think of Vulcans and leaders in this role as an Admiral um, really being able to ensure that when you give orders that they're followed through. Mm -hmm. um, so this this is just this is just starting to show some weaknesses in the storyline. Um, yeah, and it's also like really showing that Starfleet doesn't learn because <laughs> the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, exactly the same and expecting a different result. Um, but also we see that Lorca is coming up with the plan with Paul, um, who we see is starting to suffer some effects of being the, the main component of the spore drive. Um, and Lorca comes to him and says, hey, I need you to do 133 micro jumps um, based to distract the Klingons. And I think that was such a, uh, there's words I want to say, but I want to keep this podcast PG. <laughs> but that was such a itch move because he knows the, he, like, at this point he can tell the, the jumps are having an effect on Paul. Everyone notices that the jumps are having a negative effect on Paul. And he wants them to make 133. In three days, not three just days. like over like years. Yeah. Um, and they've never tested Paul and the jumping technology in this way uh, to go to these extremes. Uh, but Lorca wants the win. Lorca wants the war to, he wants to be in control here and, and make it happen. And it's interesting that they didn't think, start, continue to brainstorm to find other options <laughs> to help protect Paul, uh, who could possibly be injured for life. We saw what happened to Ripper, and that's the same, mm -hmm. that's what was reoccurring in my brain when I first heard of Lorca saying this, was like, Ripper, like, seemed to almost die in, mm -hmm. from, from this tragedy. And then also, forget, I forgot the name of the ship. But the the human the bodies on the ship were all deformed from all of the the jumps. Mm -hmm. It's like, a lot of uh, it's a lot of risk. It's a lot of risk, and it's showing me more and more that um, Lorca is a master manipulator. Right. He can play people like a fiddle, and every time I think. Every single time I think, oh, he really cares about his crew, they are a means to an end for him. They are, he will use them for what he needs and then risk them when it fits him. He'll save them when it fits him and risk them when it fits him. Because he, go ahead, sorry, you want to say something? Go ahead. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's not only, and the point I was trying to make a little bit ago, I don't know if I really brought it full circle, is that it's not just putting Paul at risk, it's putting the whole crew, mm -hmm. including Lorca, at risk. And uh, it's 
he just knows how to speak to everyone and like use whether it's Michael or Ash, um, Paul, everyone to like to pull out, I don't to like to get them to obey him and mm -hmm. and break Starfleet orders and make them feel guilty if they don't. And you know what's interesting? There's one person who I think sees through his bullcrap. Um, and it's the doctor, it's Hugh. He sees through it, but Paul went along with it. So he's doing what he can to protect his husband, but not because he believes in Lorca. I can see the way that he looks at Lorca and the way that he respond, He responds to him. He sees through the bullcrap that Lorca is spewing. Just And even though everyone else is sort of like falling for it or getting that whole camaraderie, yes, we're a team. He's like, no, my husband's going to die. We're not doing this. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'm loving you for that. Because he's just like, stop this. Stop this now. No, we still have 96 jumps to make. No, we only have one him. And so, um, but this, so going back to this episode, because I could talk about the husband all day long, because I do love him. Um, and mad respect for him. Um, so the reason that, he needs Paul to do these 133 jumps is because they are going to sneak aboard the Klingon ship because they realize as long as the ship is cloaked, they cannot fire. So they have a plan that they're going to show up right in front of the ship and the ship's going to lower their cloaking shields. And before they can raise their other shields, um, they're going to have someone beam across into the ship to plant these sensors that will help Saru really sort of break through the algorithm that they're using to do cloaking. And Michael, because she's been on that ship before, volunteers herself, and Lorca's like, no. And she's like, hey, I'm already here on borrowed time. Why not send me? Because she's correct. She is the most expendable person on that ship. And he's like, no, but he's gonna risk Ash who was tortured by Klingons for seven months but on Ash a ship full of Klingons. Right, but Ash also, because he he was on the ship, he also, I can understand wanting to send him over because he would have additional knowledge that maybe they were It was a different ship. Through. It wasn't right, that but, ship. Right, but he still, I think, would have more experience being with Klingons and possibly understanding their tactics. I, I just we could get to. <laughs> he I definitely just, understands a lot more, a lot more. We'll get than, to that in a moment. <laughs> yes, yeah, so than other people. But and he bonded with Ash. He was able to escape uh, from that from another Klingon ship with Ash. So he trusts that they'll be that Ash can navigate. But it's been, what, a few weeks since Ash has been off the Klingon ship and he never really truly got help right. for, like, that's not really from, like, and the Admiral pointed it out. Is he okay? Like, right, that was seven is he months, okay? right? Right, seven months. Well, and also it's, it's hormone. Like, is he, uh, no, is, is Lorca okay? I mean, he was also yeah. in prison for a little while. Um, but like, Ash was in prison for seven months like to go and we and he even talked about what he went through on that ship the all the different types of torture that come out in this episode that we can see a little more in depth about which 
you're right. We didn't really need to see it. Um, but to put him back in that mindset without him ever really having help to process what he went through and what he had to do to survive, that just again shows Lorca really seeing his, his crew as expendable. Um, because yes, he beams them onto the ship. They get there and they start going to the ship and they're going to start planting the sensors. And you were right. I was wrong. I will, I will say that. Um, Captain, uh, sorry, Admiral Cornwall, Cornwall is alive. She is alive. I for sure thought this chick was dead. (laughs) But she's alive. So awesome. And I think the juxtaposition of having Michael being the one to find her and save her was like, she couldn't save her, her captain, but she could save this admiral, you know? Right, right. And that's a really good point. I never, I didn't think about that. But as we found, as they found the Admiral, they also found Laurel. And we realized that Ash is not okay. No, Ash, <laughs> Ash froze everyone and was not able to, to really gain composure. Um, nice shot. thing is the Admiral seemed to have like a psychology background mm-hmm. and was able to talk to him and talk to also um to Michael about the fact that like he looks like he's in trauma you need to finish your mission and then circle back to us <laughs> because yeah. he needs some time to reset she's like I've seen this he's in shock he is no good to you right now and we get a little glimpse of what Ash went through with Laurel and I'm just gonna go ahead and say it some things do not need to be shown on tv just because it doesn't need to show. And granted, I will say they did, it was like quick glimpses. And so like, unless you really pause or maybe I just looked away and I didn't realize I looked away because I was like, okay. Um, but we, from first, this the torture part of what we saw them put Ash through the little glimpses and the shots. Um, he, homeboy was not just beaten. Like he was poked, prodded. He was tortured and he is, not in any mind space to be on a ship right after seeing what he went through he's not in any space to ever be on a ship so let's be really clear to 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 the listening audience it was a vivid rape scene and i think that would also be a tough scene to watch with kids and so if you're if you're used to watching it with a family because this is traditionally a family show yeah so this could be a little awkward and hard to talk about with eight or nine-year-olds. I mean, there were some other kind of mature topics, but the scenes uh, with, the scenes were just a lot more graphic. Um, And maybe hard to understand that that is truly rape, that Ash did not have control because he is also a prisoner of war. So he is not like he could just leave. Mm -hmm. He was a captive there. And, um, and he was not really able to fully consent. Yeah, he was not able to fully consent to what was going on. He had to do what he had to do to survive. And it was not something that he should have been through. Um, 
but we'll circle back on that because we're going to go and take a quick break off of that little hard topic and then we will be back to discuss the other half in the rest of the episode okay so hang in there and we'll be right back welcome back to episode nine okay guys so we're going to go ahead and jump back into the second half of this episode um because again there was so much that happened in the beginning so after they after michael leaves Ash in the holding cell, I guess, with uh, the Admiral, she makes her way towards the bridge. And she plants the other sensor in the, in the bridge, and she has her universal translator. And she is listening into the Klingons, and she calls back to start to the discovery and is letting them listen in. And then she's caught. And then she gets into a fight. And this is where we see Michael being a total amazing, strong, Black woman in, in the future, in space, because that fight with Cole is amazing. But there's a point where she sort of egg, um, eggs him on because he just wants to like shoot her straight on. And she comes back with the, um, the I, I was on the ship before, or like it was because he had her captain's- um, Giorgio's. Giorgio's cap, uh, pin, right? Yes. And she goes to him by saying, I'm the one who killed Takuma. So lets him know that she is worth a, more, more than just being like shot to death, you know, hand to hand right. fight. So she right. asks for the Klingon um, battle, knife battle, dagger battle. It's, it's a way that she worded it. That I don't remember exactly how she worded it. Um, and then they fight. But before they get to that fight, what did you think of that whole scene of her like sneaking onto the bridge, planting the device, and all of that stuff before the fight? Everything before the fight. <laughs> so every so it's very convenient. I'm glad shit she was able to like set. It's um, it's interesting that she was able to maneuver through the corridors of the Klingon ship to uh, access their bridge. Mm -hmm. um, and not be seen, um, and then hide as she was setting up the second sensor. Um, while while I guess they were going through the jumps for three days, and that's where I got a little confused because I was like, I know they're jumping over 133 times over three days, but the scenes of Michael on the ship didn't seem to last three days. I don't know if she took a nap at some point in time, so that was a little weird. <laughs> well, did it really last three days though? Or did he say it didn't, it, you're right, it didn't feel, I don't, it didn't feel like it lasted three days. It right. only felt like it lasted a couple hours. Yes. So that's a little weird and maybe I'm misunderstanding, but I thought earlier they mm. mentioned there was going to be a 133 jumps in three days. But um, it seems as though Lorca's plan was working, mm -hmm. that they were just going that the Discovery was going to distract the Klingons so that they would remove the shield um, so that they could be easily seen so that the sensors could transmit the data and and Saru and Michael can start to do that research and test it and make sure that everything was working. So mm -hmm. it's nice to see, of course, Warka's plan would work. And uh, Michael was able to find the bridge and just, I think in the nick of time, because I think they found out that Starfleet was stalling 
And so they were going to raise their shields again. And so that's when Michael came out, mm -hmm. like, um, in her physical presence, like, from behind, like, a barricade to, or behind a wall to show her presence and make herself known. The scene that I was captivated with was the fact that Cole wanted to show his power also mm -hmm. because he was using Giorgio's pen and he was saying he was picking his teeth with it. Yeah. Like that was that's a disgrace. Like if mm -hmm. you're, it's because Giorgio's Michael's captain and he could tell that Giorgio, just sorry, tell that Michael noticed the Starfleet pen and was captivated with it. So she, he could tell that there was a connection there and he was just eating that up um, mm -hmm. um, in more ways than, than earlier, previous episodes, they were talking about eating her brain. Oh, but... yeah. he, ripped, <laughs> he took the flesh off her, her, off her skin. But did you catch that little dig that also that Michael did where she was like, I was here at the first battle and you weren't here. Right. Um, and how she sort of just knocks him down a couple pegs in his like basically on his own on his on his turf yeah uh, so the two of them i think were a good match with that and it's mm -hmm. also possibly bringing her character full circle because of the battle that occurred early on in her childhood with Klingon. um yeah it was a it was it was a great verbal sparring I would yes. say between the two and then and and in the verbal sparring Michael won <laughs> yes. and the fight scene was really good too it was it was um and then right like right when the fight scene is happening that's when like Klingons go back into the holding room where you see um the admiral and Ash there and like the and Ash is still out of it and he's still in shock and he's still just filled with those memories because he's like front he came face to face with his tormentor his like every bad thing that someone could be to someone, he's came face to face with that person who's that person for him. Um, and she's like, hey, look, you're gonna die if you don't help me out because we're, it's two on two. I can't move. Like she she can't walk. So like they're sitting ducks. You need to get it, pull it together. And he was able to pull it together just long enough to fight back with the Admiral, which was great. So you, you get to see Ash, fixing fixing what someone else broke you saw him like fixing right. himself which was a great like I still love Ash he's not okay but I still love Ash <laughs> right and Coral told told Ash she needs you Michael needs you we mm -hmm. need you so I think that helped break the wall um, that's true yeah Oof. no you're right you're right I agree yeah that's definitely true um, and then it cuts back to, you know, Michael and Cole fighting and Michael is, I, I know like he got some good hits in too, but Michael was whooping his butt because he thought it was going to be a quick and easy fight. And Michael was like, not today, honey. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he thought he was going to do one swing and she was going to be down for the count. And she, she, she gave him his money, money's worth. <laughs> yes. Yes. It showed a lot of agility with her. That was really mm -hmm. good acting. And it also took me back to a few scenes with her fighting with Sarek. And mm -hmm. um, she's actually really, really good at that. Like, she, if I was in a battle, I would want to be with Michael on <laughs> Michael's team, not against yes. her, like with her team, on her team. <laughs> hey, hi. We're picking teams. You're on mine. You're on my arm. Come, right. on. come, come. 
Um, and what she and did was working. It was stalling. It was. It was stalling because she, you are right. She had one of the best exits ever because Saru calls, was like, hey, um, we can beam you aboard. And Ash is like, to the transport here. And then you sadly see while he and the Admiral were getting transferred, Laurel comes and wraps her arms around him, which is, you know, Laurel, I had hope for you. I was trying to fight that it wasn't you that did that horrible act because you believed in Volk and you loved him. So I was like, you can't be that evil person and you are evil, Laurel. Um, she sneaks aboard with them, which was her plan all along, but still was awful. To, I did not want to see it happen that way. Um, and then you see Michael fighting Cole and she gives him one good swipe and grabs the, um, she stabs him like in the leg, grabs the pin. And what yeah. does she do? Because I know you love that fight. I know you love that scene. I'll let you describe how she got away. I think she jumped over the banister. She jumped over the banister. And mid-air, she was beamed out in a dramatic like a fashion. Yes. Like a G, people. <laughs> I watched that scene three times of just like recording back and forth, stabbing the leg, grab the pin, run. Yes. Ah, beat yes. me away. The be it would have been the only thing that could have made it better is she threw up like a peace sign, like peace somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that was too much. <laughs> but I felt like she was able to bring Giorgio home back to yes. Starfleet. Mm -hmm. Like as close as you're going to get at that yeah. point in time and and a real enclosure for her because when she returned to the bridge there was just a subtle nod between saru and michael like mm -hmm. yes you did it like you helped bring closure to this battle of the stars battle of the binary stars but not Thank even you. that they destroyed the ship they fired all of their photon torpedoes or whatever yeah, and yeah. just aim them all at the ship and after seeing what ash went through i wanted laurel on the ship i want her i mm. there are things right. that you can come back from and there are things where you can't come back from and you can't come back from what you did to him right right before we yes the klingon ship exploded but at that right before the explosion when michael had that the the pin and the knob between saru i felt like that was another moment of peace oh yeah that was they also showed a glimpse of pavo in the background like finally like they've journeyed here pavo's all about peace and harmony like i'm like well what about the planet <laughs> going on and so I don't know if the energy from the transmitter was like helping to help ensure that all of this worked out well but I truly believe Michael and Saru got some peace there with enclosure with that I just wanted to say that. <laughs> so after you know the big win against the Klingons and they have that one Klingon lesson who was taken prisoner willingly so you never really can trust those um, you're we're coming to the end of the episode, and we hear that Ad the Admiral uh, Admiral Cornwall she is now recovering at Starbase eighty eight. She's alive. Um, they have and that could be scary for Lorca in the future. It can be. 
It can be. Because I'm, she I'm happy she got there alive. Right. Um, because yeah, you're right. She knows that he's not okay. But also it's hard to bring someone up down who's going up. And he just had a huge win. This is they destroyed the ship that started the war, basically. Right. And she has post-traumatic stress and probably trauma right now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets to tell uh, the a current the sitting admiral um, that they have the algorithm for uh, detecting the cloaking, the, the Klingon cloaking. Um, so that's like a little feather in his cap. So you can't really reprimand me because my plan worked, ha, 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 which is, I feel what that's like Lorca's thing to do. He's like, I'm not going to listen, but I keep getting, like, my plans keep working. So really, what are you going to do? Punish me for being right? Which they should, (laughs) because that's a bad example. Um, and what did you, what, what did you think of that scene of him talking to the Admiral? Because that just sort of. You can tell the Admiral was not happy, but like still had to do what he had to do. Yeah, I was wondering if there's more to that than like if there was like a thought bubble for the for the Admiral. <laughs> it was like he, there was more that he, I agreed that more that he couldn't say. Um, mm-hmm. I was surprised that, yes, Lorca was, I think, was assigned an award, a medal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Legion of Honor yeah. is what he was going, what, what he's going to be offered. Um, and then we see them go, cut to Michael going to go talk to Ash. And we definitely, um, and he, he talks about what he did to survive. And Michael did, said the right thing that you were supposed to say. This is not your fault. None of this what happened regardless of how you acted because you need, you knew this was the only way that you were going to survive none of what happened was ash's fault while he was on the ship he did what he had to do to survive and unlike mud he did not throw it on to someone else right um so like he did what he had to do to survive and i just really hate that she's on the ship I just don't like after seeing what we saw I don't Laurel my hope of you turning like turning on the Klingons and being a good ally to the Starfleet is now like just that that was literally my hope until I realized that was her that she was the one who really did do the torturing I was like that's not her that's not her but it's her and I'm heartbroken to be completely and utterly wrong from last episode and this episode but I do think that this helps Michael and Ash's relationship uh, because both backgrounds are more like both of them have issues. Yes. And it's more apparent now. And when they're you're in a relationship, <laughs> it's, it's important to notice that, and that's kind of awkward to have a conversation about what he went through. So at least he didn't describe it all in detail, but I think she was able to make the connection of how, what that could have been like. And uh, the ability to be vulnerable with your partner. Yes. And they can right. do that with each other. Right. Which is a good thing because 
not every if you can't be vulnerable and actually really under and really believe that the person you're with has your back and you can trust them with what you're going to say you know they're not going to judge you um you can't really have a relationship like that and you we can see that that's building between michael and ash that they have that ability to be vulnerable with each other and to know that the other person is not going to judge them and they're really going to help them so you're right this is this will probably help their relationship i and he mentioned that if it wasn't for that, that they wouldn't have met. Yeah. So when there's, unfortunately, these things happen, you, there's opportunities. They're just like, you, and you try to move on. And uh, it, this could help him with closure. I mean, I'm sure that you could, there's a, you could address this with a whole lot more psychology within this. But there's also other relationships that were affected with everything that was going on between whether it's Paul and Hugh and then Lorca and Paul, <laughs> like all of these other manipulations that's occurring behind the scenes. So speaking of Lorca and Paul, now we're near the end, end part of the episode and um, Lorca is telling Paul that they're headed back to um, the Starbase and they wanted to offer Lorca the Legion of Honor, but they told, but he told them to give him to Paul because basically Paul just basically risked his life. And so here's the thing with Lorca. But here's the thing with Lorca. Here's the thing with Lorca. I don't know if that's a lie because he because he can he knows he acts Lorca knows he acts a lot of Paul. And he literally has nothing in return to give it to, to give to him for this. So I think he's telling the truth in the fact that he told them to give the Legion of Honor to Paul, but not because he wants Paul to have it, but because he wants Paul to believe that he believes, like, almost to be like, hey, you risked your life. I'm like, he wants Paul to think that he's really, 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 really grateful. So almost to feel like, hey, I did this and I'm getting this medal and all of Starfleet is going to know that I'm that I risked my life to get this algorithm so that way we can detect the cloaking on the Klingon ship. And I feel like Lorca didn't lie. I don't, I feel like Lorca didn't lie about them giving him, him, about him wanting them to give Paul the, the award. I don't think his motives are for the right reasons why he wants to do it. I think for he, the manipulation. I, I think he lied. I also think that he's doing this just for another jump. Like he had this conversation, he was setting this whole thing up so they could jump again and he could possibly do something else. I don't know, something, there's more to him, of course. I keep saying that. Well, in I, every... well no, so no, but see, but Lorca keeps doing stuff. I think, well, yeah, he also wanted him to keep jumping because, you know, because um, after that whole conversation, Paul says, I'll do one more jump, just one more because I'm done. Um, but Lorca had already offered him the award, but this is still, Lorca doesn't do anything. Like the whole saving um, Saru, no, sorry, saving Surat. Um, he didn't do that because it was the right thing to do. He did that so Michael would stay on his team. Right. And so it's like this whole Legion of Honor thing. He didn't do it because Paul really did risk his life for everyone. It's like another little manipulation of saying, hey, I'm so grateful. Don't go anywhere. Because remember, you get awards with me. If you, like you're, you're not just a scientist. You want to boldly go where no one's ever gone before. And so Paul, 
offers one last jump to the Starbase to get everyone there in time. So that way they don't have to worry about flying through space. Um, Cause Lorca never had to bring that up. Lorca never had to bring up the warp speed. He could just said, okay, we're going here, deuces and left it at that. Um, and- As the Admiral wanted. Yeah. And something goes wrong. And here's the thing. I don't think Lorca had anything with to do with it doing wrong, going wrong. I just don't think he realized how much Paul was affected. I don't. I think he wanted to spore jump just to be there and get it over with and be done. But I don't think he intended for what happened to happen because um, at the end we see that Paul starts to scream when the spore drive is brought online. And he's never had to do that before, except after the first time when he was like literally stabbed. Um, he's never had to scream before. And he was literally in pain. He was screaming, something was wrong. And it's like the same thing that sort of happened to Ripper. His body couldn't take it almost. And he falls out of the, the spore drive, his little encasing and his eyes are white. So, and they don't know where they are. Starfleet does, like they jump, but didn't jump. They're in the same location, but they're not in the same location. We don't know where they are. And the episode ends. And where do you think they are? Like, what did you hold, What did you think of that whole last jump that Paul did? I don't know where they are. I remember a previous jump in which it didn't go right and they were in this unknown place. Um, I do remember a scene in which Lorca like typed in something on the keypad on his armchair. And I actually paused, rewind, tried to see what he was typing in on the keypad <laughs> and tried to geek out on that scene. And I could not figure out if he was, I couldn't see anything there. So I don't know where they're at. Um, I... It seems like I know for sure though that Saru doesn't know, and if if he doesn't know, no one knows. Mm -hmm. um, but the big question is, how does Paul recover so that they can move again, or do they have to then travel by warp, or are they um, possibly in a more dangerous place? I don't know. Um, and then, sorry, I forgot one scene. You see um, Ash wake up from a horrible nightmare and he goes to see Laurel um, in her holding cell and he asks her, what did you do to me? And she ends it by saying, don't worry, I won't let them hurt you. Which leads me to think that torture that she put him through was not just torture. She did something to him. On, like she... I feel like she augmented him in a way that he doesn't know. But oh, we yeah. don't fully really understand. Yeah, I think it's the power thing with torture. And I, I don't think it was just about power of her having power over him. I think like she, I think she did something to him, like as in like implanted him with something. Like, I mean, like I think she manipulated him in some way shape or form and not just to sleep with him not just to 
torture him, but like medically, like there's something wrong with Ash uh, that she uh, did, or like she did something to him on purpose that makes her that makes him valuable to her, and not in a um, power way, but like in a way that he is like almost. Okay, here's the thing. Here's my idea, people, and it's a, it's really it's out there. It's out there, but we haven't seen Bulk since that first episode. I think that she maybe took his consciousness and was trying to put it in the other dude. That's what I think because from what we saw, it was focused around his mouth. It almost looked like she had his like his like like he, she was cutting into his head. Like the little glimpse that we saw, um, she raped the dude, and you could tell that she wanted Volk, that other Klingon, in the very beginning. I think she did something. She's trying to like splice the DNA or something. I don't know what it is, but I think she did something to him, which is why she's like, don't worry, I won't let them hurt you. Because whatever she did makes him dangerous to Starfleet. I think yeah. she did something. Yeah. I don't know what I don't, did him to him. Yeah. yeah. I'm... I'm going to try not to go down that road. And I feel like the scene, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Can we talk about maybe a positive, really good relationship between Paul and who? Like there was a- Oh no, they have a great relationship. But, I mean, it was just the way they ended that episode for yeah. them to say that line, she did something and we're going to see it. And I have a bad feeling that Ash isn't going to be around for a while or for, for much longer because of whatever right. she did. Because right. I don't think- he would allow himself to be to stay alive yeah okay i'll admit i was worried about ash in a away mission because sometimes we know in star trek during away missions people go and then not everyone returns and i wasn't yeah. quite sure what was going to happen to ash with that um, but then also i think that it could be an opportunity with michael's character uh, to grow, um, it's, I guess, Laurel can now defect, and as she previously wanted, I don't know, this can go in a lot of different directions, but that's only if also Ash communicates about being raped by her, or if he keeps it to himself, or if... well, no, he does. He didn't keep it to himself. Lorca knows, and Michael knows that he was raped. He he didn't hide it. But I'm right, saying, like, but he might not want to. Okay. <laughs> oh no. So I I'm thinking, Laurel, Laurel's smart. She has shown us that she is smart. Um, I think she did something to him that he doesn't know what she did that she can use in the future. I felt like she augmented him somehow in a way like she I feel like she made him like a sleeper or something because all the glimpse we saw it wasn't just like them beating him cutting into it. like it looked like it was like surgical stuff that they did that she did to him I think she augmented him um for her to have like a sleeper almost right but that's what's scary to me like I don't want I'm hoping that Ash doesn't turn and become like an undercover agent in Starfleet because right that's the thing like that's what I said that's why I said I don't think Ash is going to stay around long because if he find, if that if I'm right or if I'm right in any version and Ash realizes that he is I don't think he'll allow himself to stay alive 
if he could be used to hurt anyone on that ship. Right. I just don't want Michael's feelings to get hurt in her first Me neither. Me neither. Me neither. But here's the thing. When she said she'd never been in love, I knew at that point that signed Ash's death warrant. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, you've never been in love, and here's a guy that we all know that you like, he's gonna die. He's gonna die. Like, I I don't know when it's gonna happen, but he's gonna die. And I think he's gonna die to sacrifice himself to protect Starfleet because Laurel did something to him. She did something to him, and it's gonna be something that he can't control because the way he went to her, that wasn't just the torturer's power she had over him. He was scared. Like this is they're on Starfleet's property. Like if he like she is the prisoner. She, like and he is like he was on his knees. He was scared out of his wits. He's like, what did you do to me? He knows consciously what what she did to him through the other stuff. So there's something else that she did that's underlying that he's realizing is coming up and it's not gonna end well. Oh, right. I mean, he could have, they could have given him some sort of, I don't know, like, like a, a, a more modern version of a date rate drug. And so it's like, it's hard for him to remember it, but he knows that something happened that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's now can be used against Starfleet in some way, shape or form. Right. <laughs> and because he's Michael's first love, he's going to die. He has to. It's the way all tropes work. It's the way all first love tropes work like that. When the person's never been in love before and they meet the guy or the girl who's going to be their first love. And that person's our main character and we have to see them grow. That he's going to die. I just now okay. have an idea it's going to be stuck. It's going to be closer to the row because she's evil. I don't want her to defect anymore. I want her to die. And I think the defection is a lie. She still wants to see the Klingons win. She just doesn't want them to see. She just, she just doesn't want them to win under Cole. Oh yeah, she's a survivor. She's she's out for herself. Yeah, she's out for everyone but Cole. I think she's still Klingon first, just not with Cole, because she wanted Volk to be the ruler. If Volk was still the ruler, she would have never decided to ever defect. She might be Ash first and Russell Klingon second. Nope, I don't know. Nope. <laughs> she did something scientific to him scientific she engineered him she did something to him that he just can't remember what they what it was but she engineered something in him i think it has to do with volk i think it has to be connected to volk in some way shape or form okay and because no because no no laurel's too smart to fall for a starfleet human like that she's too smart for that She's way too smart for that. Unless unless it was connected to Volk, she's way too smart for that. Nope. Okay. If I'm wrong, you know, I will admit that I am wrong. But if it comes out that I'm wrong, that it was, she just fell in love with a human, I'll be like, all right, I was wrong. But I don't think so. Laurel's too smart for that. The girl that we have seen is too smart for that. But we're going a little over time. So what do you think? Final thoughts of this episode. What did you think? Well, I'm worried about Paul and I really wanted to like just focus back on him and that positive relationship with with Hugh for a moment mm-hmm. because I also see a running theme throughout the show of making this connection. Be- okay, so 
Paul and Hugh are married. And once Paul was able to wake up, I think from being unconscious for a little bit, they had a very nice kiss between the two of them, which is much more affection than we've seen previous in previous episodes between them. And then also during- Apparently that was the first episode to feature a romantic kiss between two men on Star Trek. Yes. Ever. So that- (laughs) (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I believe the original version of Star Trek, um, the original series also included the very first interracial kiss. So it's interesting how Star Trek is progressive in this way. There's also um, a scene in which Lorca said that we choose to go where no one has gone before. And previously it was where no man has gone before. So Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of changes in, I guess, traditional male and female roles. Mm -hmm. Um, There's definitely, there was a, um, a rape that occurred with a female dominant person um, and a male that was passive in that that um, that 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 scene, and so it's interesting to see that in um, just throughout, just to see these like non-traditional um, views of man and and non-binary roles as well. It's a very this was a very like I said in the beginning, people. This was a very interesting episode um and overall i liked it this was a fun episode to watch i will watch this episode probably a lot just because it had action it has things i hated things i loved um and it was great to see different sides like to see different storylines coming together in this episode um and we get to see a little bit more of michael being a total amazing person without a man needing to be there to save her. She was the one doing the saving. Um, she's a strong one. Um, so I am liking that. Um, I'm sorry to all the Ash fans. I do believe he's going to die in a couple of episodes. I don't think he's seeing it past season one. That's my prediction. If he makes it past season one, I will be very shocked um, because he is Michael's first love. And and all those tropes, first loves never survive. They never do. Never. Yeah. If he didn't um, run into a rel again, he pro- I would have believed he, I would have like, okay, maybe. But no, he, the rel's still there. He's going to die. I think it's going to be by his own hands, though, to save people. And that's going to make Michael feel a little bit better. But yeah. If it wasn't for the scenes, the vivid rape scenes that we saw of Laurel and the torture of Ash, I would be further in Laurel's team like I was before last week. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm not interested. I'm not on team Laurel at all. No, no. And, There's um, some things you just can't come back from people. Yeah. And that was one of them. <laughs> like that was just, mm, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was just so wrong. So um, we'll be, uh, I'll be okay if they, if her, character dies off in some in, a, in the battle oh, I, hope I, hope, I hope however he dies he takes her with him I hope 
she dies by his hand. I hope that like that's the only way I feel or, like Michael's gonna be be okay, like feel a little bit better. Like one, if he he has to be the one to take his life. Um, because it has to be it has to be something where she can't save him. It, it can't be something where it's like she couldn't save him, she's gonna live with that guilt. It's gonna have to be something where he's like, look, there's no one can save me. I'm gonna take myself out to save you guys. And I want him to take Laurel out too. Like, bye. Well, what if Michael kills Laurel? And she's the one that saves her Sancho in distress. I don't know, food for thought. If it turns out that I'm wrong that Laurel didn't augment him in some way, shape, or form, I'm fine with that. But if she did, to the point where even she's not alive, he still has to die because of what she did to him um then that's might suck okay yeah there's only there's only one way i can see that happening and it's only if um he's not augmented in any way where right. he's still a danger to starfleet because if he's still a danger to starfleet i want him to take her out because then it's like hey your own creation killed you right so we know for sure they're in a new place that they mm-hmm. don't recognize. And the sky was purple, not blue. Right. Yeah. Right. But we also know, thinking, remembering that this is a prequel, that the spore drive is, doesn't appear in later episodes or Voyager would have used the spore drive to hop out of their situation. So it's going to be interesting to see how they tie this all together. I'm still rooting for Paul. I hope like all of this works out. Oh, Paul better live. I right. will. I am invested in his story. Paul, but be- I need my big three: Michael, Paul, Tilly. Those three better make it. They better all be in season four right now. Because I, they all better be there, people. Don't tell me if they're not, but they all better be there. Those are my three. I can live without Saru because he's been getting on my nerves. But those three plus Hugh, I'll do Hugh. I, I'll throw Hugh in there because you can't separate Paul and Hugh. Those four need to be in season four. And if they're not, because one of them died, I, I, I will only take them not being in season four if they decided to leave. Like, we're going to retire. And like, because, you know, I was a sport drive. I need to go home. And, and he was like, I'm going to take care of my husband. That's the only way I'll be okay. If any one of those four are killed, I'm flipping tables. <laughs> flipping tables. Okay, everyone, stay tuned for our next episode and continue to watch Discovery with us as we flip tables and see how this <laughs> But as always, <laughs> hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you so much for listening to the most recent episode of our podcast, Trekking and Beyond. If you enjoyed it, please consider supporting us by clicking the support button in the episode's description. As always, guys, live long and prosper. Bye.